Hello everybody and check it out. We are in full throttle Christmas mode. I hope it's not too early for you to say this. Merry Christmas. And today we're starting something I've been wanting to do for a long time. We're starting out following the traditional scripture readings for the church calendar, the season of Advent. If you're like me, you didn't grow up around the word Advent. It's, uh, it's something that, that some of the more traditional churches do, and it's based on an ancient Latin word. Ad means to, and then vent means come. At Advent, we remember God coming to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And, and I mentioned before this, uh, this church calendar thing, um, and this is a big deal. Advent, this is the, the, the end of the church calendar year, but also the beginning of the church calendar year is, is, is the way a lot of them count it out. And each week uh, until Christmas, the, these five, these four Sundays before Christmas and Christmas, there'll be selected readings from the Bible. That's where my uh, talk is going to come from. And uh, this, especially this week's reading comes from a time in uh, the Old Testament reading comes from a time where Israel was waiting. They were longing for their promised Savior, their promised Messiah to come. And, and the reading goes like this. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you as when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil. Come down and make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continued to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay a hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray, for we are all your people." Do you hear that? They're, they've acknowledging, this, this prophet Isaiah is acknowledging that, that God's chosen people have turned away from him. And it's written in exile. There's this longing for home. There's longing for home that goes all the way back to longing for the way things were in the Garden of Eden. There's a longing there for God to restore peace, to restore connection. This is how we start the season of Advent, realizing that, that there's a light at the end of the tunnel and that someday God's light is going to burn away all of the dark shadows. And we look back, I mean, this, this, this passage we just read, 
is foreshadowing, foretelling, prophesying that there will be a savior, that Israel will be saved. And before anyone knew about it, like God was going to be up to saving the whole world, not just one group of people. So we look back in the season of Advent to when Jesus came to earth the first time, and we look forward to his second coming. And when we do this, we get in touch with this boots on the ground experience of living between these two events, Jesus' first coming and then his second coming that we are longing for. So for this time together here, you and me, we're gonna be reaching backwards and reaching forwards at the same time because we're between two times. And today's gospel reading comes from the book of Mark, chapter 13. Here's the words of Jesus. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. Truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and tells each one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. Did you pick up on the themes in, in there? Watch, stay awake. Don't just go into autopilot, keep watch. And in there, there was this image that Jesus talked about of keeping the door when the, when the master returns to his house. And the, the recipients of this are supposed to, to wake up like, like a doorkeeper. And in modern times, if you live in the suburbs, there's not many doorkeepers around, a doorman. Um, I've got three stooges going through my head. There's the door, man. Um, they, there's, there's no one, we lock our doors ourselves. We open our doors ourselves. But if you go, even these days, if you go to a big city, maybe a giant apartment building, you'll see someone at the door. And they're keeping track of everyone who walks by, they're keeping track of who comes in, keeping track even of who goes out. Now, if you're a doorkeeper, there's one priority. And the first priority is stay awake, stay alert. If you've ever passed by, maybe if you're in a big city, if you've ever passed by a doorkeeper that's asleep, doesn't give you warm and fuzzy feelings. So the words of Jesus to us today. And point number one, if you're taking notes, is stay awake. So what do I mean by that? Well, more importantly, what does Jesus mean by that? Stay awake. Well, it's hard to do these days. 
So many, so many things in our culture and all around us are designed to lull us into a kind of sleep. From the devices on our phones, from, uh, from even restaurants that we go to. Do you know how hard it is to find a restaurant without a TV in it? And sometimes I've observed this in myself and I've observed it in other people with a screen around. It has this pacifying effect. Oh, it's sports it's, or whatever's on or, or just random clips. Oh, we went out to a hamburger place this week with my, with my family and my son is watching these clips of people doing amazing stunts and just like we had to say like, hey, 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 turn around. Like let's engage with the family. And that's one of the things that Jesus is saying and it's such an important reminder for us at the first week of December. I mean, Christmas is coming. Don't go to sleep with all the activities. Don't go to sleep with your exhaustion. Don't go to sleep with just going through the steps of the normal tradition. Jesus is saying, hey, I'm right under your nose. I'm, 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 I'm around. Don't fall asleep like the world wants you to. And Jesus has a, had a warning uh, to his disciples in the passage we just read. He was saying, he was saying, guys, troubled times are coming to Jerusalem. Troubled times are coming to Israel. And in a way, troubled times are coming upon the whole world, you guys. What, don't fall asleep. So at the first level of meaning, Jesus was prophesying that the, the center of Jewish worship would be destroyed, the temple. Like, this is a big deal. And first, this is a big deal. The temple was going to be destroyed and Jesus was prophesying and it did happen. And it's important for us to note that this temple was destroyed and it changed all of Jewish, the, the Jewish religion. And the focus had to shift from something because the sacrifices couldn't take place at the temple. All the center of gravity shifted from temple to the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And in that context, Jesus knew that would happen, but Judaism was changing. But in the middle of that, Jesus is saying, all else may pass away, but his words, Jesus, all, but my words will remain forever is what Jesus said. Everything else, even the Jewish religion would change, but the words of Jesus still remain. Last time I checked, there's not a temple on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem but we're still talking about the words of Jesus. Jesus, that's good news for us. Your life, things can change in your life. Circumstances can change in your life. The seasons in our life, we're in Christmas, Advent season now, those seasons come and go, but Jesus's words remain forever. What Jesus says about you remains forever. It doesn't depend on your performance. It doesn't depend on where you came from or where you're going. Depends on what Jesus did and what Jesus said. You still matter. And another thing here in this passage, it says Jesus himself says, I don't know when God is coming back. I don't know the time or the day. I've, I haven't done an extensive search, but for me, I think this is the only time Jesus says he doesn't know something. That's just wild to me. 
and it says like uh, that he doesn't know. Like only the Father knows. That's the that's what Jesus said. And the Father and the Son usually worked closely. And John says that Jesus was there in the beginning. But in this passage, it emphasizes that there is a difference between God and Jesus. They're two separate things. There's the Trinity, there's the Holy Spirit, and they're all one. But in this manner of when God is coming back, like Jesus says, I don't even know the day or the time. And Jesus knows a lot, but he doesn't know the precise hour of the end. And what does that mean for you and me? I think that means we can we can let God worry about that. We can leave the timing to God. There's another pastor here in Southern California, Larry Osborne. I stole this phrase from him. He says, I'm on Jesus's welcoming committee. I'm not on his party planning committee. So what does that mean for us? It means that we keep awake and we keep watch for what Jesus is doing. It means we stay here and now in the present. And uh, the disciples Jesus was talking to in Mark chapter 13 and the early church, they couldn't afford to fall asleep. They couldn't afford to fall asleep because they were under intense pressure to blend in with either Judaism or to blend in with the pagan world. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. That's falling asleep. Obey God, obey my words and stay awake and keep watch for me to establish my kingdom here on earth. And so through the centuries, Jesus followers have tried to stay awake. We don't want to blend in with the culture around us. We want to have, we want to be salt and light in this world. And Jesus is saying this kingdom is so close, like it's right under everyone's noses. But don't give up longing for it. Don't give up waiting for it. This isn't the time to put all of your life on cruise control and just set it and forget it. Like this, for Jesus and, and for humanity, this was a momentous moment in history, very significant. The temple in Jerusalem was about to be destroyed. God was about to start doing something new and, and the future was right under their noses and it would take the disciples a while to figure out what Jesus was actually talking about. But it's important for us to remind ourselves that even today, in this day and age, Jesus' words to us would be the same. All right, things, things are wild right now, but I don't want you to fall asleep. Keep watch, keep vigilant, guard your heart, guard your minds, guard, guard your actions. This, the temple, that's just a preview for them of what was to come. They were called to be faithful to Jesus back then, and you and I are called to be faithful to Jesus right now. And there's a powerful temptation for us to compromise the standards that, that God has given us and, and exchange God's dream for us for the fashions of our culture. Keep awake. Keep looking for what God is up to. And there's a... There's a, a bit of an opposite uh, counterintuitive uh, element to this Advent season that we're in. Because when I think of Christmas, I think of a warm baritone voice, Crosby-esque. I think of smells of baked goods coming from the kitchen and very warm lights in the house. Christmas makes us cozy. 
and there is a, a, a right and proper place for those warm and fuzzy moments. Absolutely. I'm, I'm not here to, to throw water on your Christmas fire. But don't let those, those, those warm and fuzzy moments, those cozy moments, don't let those things make us fall asleep. God wants us to be purposeful and present and awake. That's what Advent is calling for us, to, to stay on the lookout for where Jesus is, for what God is doing, where, God, where is God on the move so we can go and be a part of it. So the uh, philosopher, theologian N.T. Wright, he says this, Christians increasingly need to realize that unless we understand the first century, we will not understand our own times or what sort of people we ourselves are called to be. It means... Like these disciples, their story is our story too. And it's so easy to get pulled into our consumer culture. It's so easy to get pulled into the dysfunction of everything around us. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Don't fall asleep and get involved in the stuff that everyone else is, the, all the pursuits of, of following other ways than me. Like follow me and stay awake. I'm not much of a tattoo guy, but if I were to pick one, it would be that, that root word for be alert, stay awake, stay, stay on guard. It's the same word that Jesus told his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane before Jesus was, was crucified or taken to be crucified. When he says, hey, keep watch for me. I'm going to go over here and pray for a while. This is a, a deeply personal uh, word for me, and I, I believe it's deeply personal for us. God doesn't want us to fall asleep. That can, it's can so easily happen, especially at this time of year. For those of us who are a little bit more seasoned, we can think, "Oh, the good old days are behind us." Especially with all the the sentiment that Christmas brings. Oh my goodness, it brings out all the sentimental feelings. Sometimes that's good and warm and fuzzy, but sometimes it's painful. And we can think, oh, if I could just go back, now that is when things felt good. Those are the kinds of thoughts that make us go asleep because they, they take us out of the present and the here and now. And especially if, like for the younger ones in my house, they're in the future. They're all about Christmas morning. They're all about, oh, what's going to happen? Can we just skip the Advent parts and the little calendar things and the only one measly little chocolate you get in the calendar every day? Come on, let's get things moving here. No, this season is about being present to what God is doing. And one of the ways we can do that is to study the first followers of Jesus. How did they get through? I mean, this was about to start centuries worth of persecution. And Jesus is saying, hey, he hadn't been crucified yet in Mark chapter 13, but he's saying, hey, don't fall asleep. You're going to need me every single second, every step of every day. But the good news is, yeah, we stay awake, but we don't have to stay awake all of our own power. It's not just about grit and pulling ourselves up by the bootstraps. Check this out in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul writes, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. 
God, thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So in Advent, you know, we, we light this candle, there's Advent candles that you light. And the first one on the first week is hope. And it's a hope, not just to anticipate Jesus' birth or the beginning of the new year. But this week, we're, I want you to think about how there's hope for you because of what Jesus did. And let that in. Like there is hope for you. There's nothing that you've done that can disqualify you from having hope in Jesus' redemption. There's nothing that's been done to you. Like there is hope for you because all of these things Jesus was talking about, they came true. And there's hope for you because I know that Jesus will come again and that in Jesus, we have hope because he started the renewal of all things, everything. That's good news. I mean, prophets foretold Jesus' birth. Jesus lived a perfect life and died for you and the whole world. And now all those sad things, God's un, at work underneath the surface, making all of those sad things come untrue. So... When I say stuff like that, do you have complicated feelings? When I said Merry Christmas to you, do you have complicated feelings about Christmas? Well, maybe if you do, perhaps you're a little bit of a step ahead of a lot of us. Maybe you aren't lulled into sleep by all the consumerism and, and hype that goes into the Christ, uh, Christmas season. Maybe you're realizing like, no, I need something deeper you know, I need something deeper than just sugar plum fairies and, and ice skating. All those things have their place. Maybe you're in touch with longing for healing. Maybe you are in touch with the world's need for salvation. Maybe you're in touch with this longing like the prophets of old and like the early church. Maybe you're in touch with longing for God to save us like your Christian brothers and sisters that are around the world undergoing persecution. These words that Paul gave to us in 1 Corinthians, that you have every good thing, every gift available to you. Even you have all of God's knowledge available to you. It reminds us that we have help available to us, that we don't have to wait. Oh, someday God's going to come back and fix it. Like, there's help available to you right where you are. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you've done, like when we surrender our whole lives to Jesus, Jesus immediately comes in and fills us. When we open our hearts and ask for a spirit to come live inside of us, we have access to every single good gift. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Have you fallen asleep? Are you just going through life on autopilot? Today, hear the words of Jesus saying, stay awake, my son, stay awake, my daughter. I want to use your life. I want to open your eyes to all the ways I am at work in your life and around you. 
Let's take a couple moments to, to pause and reflect on our lives and ask God together. I know I need God's help staying awake to his reality and his kingdom. I need that help all the time. And I want to pray for you that you will accept God's help, that you will open your heart to him and God will infuse you with this spiritual shot of caffeine so we don't fall asleep this Christmas season. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And we ask that, that we will hear his words loudly in anything in our life that is causing us to fall asleep to your joy, to fall asleep to your ways, to, to, to distract us off of your mission for us, God. Search our hearts. We point our hearts and our lives to you and ask that you would give us the strength to follow you all the days of our life. In Jesus' mighty and strong and powerful name we pray, amen. Well, thank you for joining us this week. May God bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine down upon you. And may God give you his peace. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, amen. <laughs>